to the show. Welcome to an hour of Mind Power. But we're going to be expanding that this morning. How is that going to be done? Well, you're going to find out that you are worth more than you realize. But our guest today, Soul Dancer, is going to share with us how you can say it, mean it, and get it. Does that sound intriguing? I think you're going to enjoy. Meeting my guest today, his name is Soul Dancer. When he answers the phone, he says, hello, this is Soul. So you know we're going to have a unique interview that I think is going to give you some substance that you can add to your life. Soul Dancer, welcome to the show. <laughs> Aloha. Mahalo for having Aloha. me on your airwaves. When I saw you at the National Publicity Summit in New York, I asked you this question. How did you get your name, Soul Dancer? Most people, when they would hear that, would go off in a mental direction that would have nothing to do in association with this being a person's name. In fact, I had someone say to me this morning, oh, is that the name of the person's book? I said, no, that is the person's name. They went, oh, they didn't know what to do with that. Oh, I, you know, I wish I had a juicy story to tell you, Donna. I really do. But this is one of those teachable moments where I, I ask those listening in, have you ever been curious? Did you ever ask your parents why they named you your name? And indeed, I have. I am, in essence, a monk in three orders, a shaman in four traditions. This is on top of having a master's in social work. And I've just mixed together this robust pool of insights about how do we tick, what makes us tick, and what really gets us ticking. Mm-hmm. Your book, Pay Me What I'm Worth, and I love it because it's a bright yellow cover with red dots on it, which those are two of my favorite colors. A workbook to help you say it, mean it, and get it. When I was going through your material. And then your background, you've given us a little bit of that. You've been very much involved in teaching. You've been in 30-plus countries doing the same. You really, really have a passion for what you do. Now, in our culture, in our American mentality, in the Western mentality, let me expand it, Money, many times, is considered as a god. Well, money is only a tool, as far as I'm concerned. It's going to enable you to do some of the things that you want. In and of itself, it's inert, and it's only worth what value is ever attached to it by whatever environment it's coming through. But you're going to a different level with this. Instead of just saying, well, think positive. You're wanting to work with people so that they're able to get at the core, the essence of what they need to do. And I love that you start off with Irma Brombeck. I just think this woman was just, she gave so many gifts to life. She's absolutely wonderful. Yes. And she said, there are people who put their dreams in a little box and say, yes, I've got dreams. Of course I've got dreams. Then they put the box away and bring it out once in a while to look at it. And yep, they're still there. How did you learn to go to before your dream? And what was your big dream when you started this journey that has taken you through so many different levels of understanding? Oh, wow. It's, it's, it's only an hour? Okay, let me think this through here. Um, 
the short version. Yeah, yeah. Uh, okay. Uh, the short version is I would be dead if I had followed my original path, plain and simple. Uh huh. I mean, you, in my early to late twenties, early thirties, I had what everyone thought was just dream life. I mean, from all external appearances, like you mentioned earlier, the money sort of thing. I mean, plenty of money, lots of travel. Also got to be almost 325 pounds. Oh, you can help. Yeah. You know, when you're only 5'7", and you're you're topping out at a 64 waist size, th- this, this just doesn't add up, right? No kidding. So, a little voice inside of me said, you know, this is all well and good, but um, keep it up, and this isn't really going to go a long ways. And I started getting out of my way. I started recognizing I no longer wanted to be part of the 40-40 club. Have you heard that term before, Donna? The 40-40 club? I think I've heard a lot of terms, but that's a new one for me. I bet you know one or two people, and I bet listeners know one or two people in the 40-40 club. To qualify for the 40-40 club, you need to work 40 hours or more a week for 40 more or more years of your life and pray you're going to have the health and the money to have a life afterwards. Oh, gee, yes, I think we all can relate to someone that is in that 40-40 category. Gee, that's a new, a new little tidbit to add to my educational trick box. So I, I, I wanted out. I wanted out of the 40-40 club before it was too late because part of my master's in social work was working with people living with HIV and AIDS. And I watched very wealthy people die very young. And I realized, you know, it doesn't really matter what what disease might catch us in the long run. There's this disease mentality that I'm not worth something. Therefore, I'm going to settle for something. And that kick-started the whole book. Well, I'll tell you what. As a counselor and having interacted with thousands of people through the years, I can relate to what you're saying. And I can relate on a personal level as well as a professional level. And it is a very hard nut break because we're inundated with so much propaganda. So your workbook, Pay Me What I'm Worth, is very down to earth, it is very practical, and very informative, and you are not just thinking as the individual that would choose to use this, you really have to participate, and this is what you demand. You demand that level of personal accountability and responsibility, and this isn't bashing time. You're going to find out more, folks. Let's talk about a segment in your book, because you've got so much in it. I'm going to try to extrapolate certain portions. The Long Lost Treasure Hunt. That's Mm -hmm. one of your exercises. Mm -hmm. Tell us what that is, and what is the treasure? Treasure. Those listening in, what do you treasure? I want to start folks off with a reality check, your world, your physical world. Unfortunately, or fortunately, depending on the circumstances, we look at a person's value by what we see, right? Mm -hmm. What you wear, what you drive, where you live, what you're eating, blah, blah, blah. So the treasure hunt in the first chapter is going to establish the fact that even though you may have extraordinary things, you may have extraordinary stuff, It's only a fraction of your actual worth. It's time to put in perspective that regardless of what you have or don't have, what that physical stuff is, is a fraction of your overall picture of worth. 
and I'd like to have you get a sense of what are those things that you treasure more than your life. And I pray tell there's nothing you treasure more than a happy, healthy life. I agree. And also, many times it's that it's a time to enjoy it. Yes. And I think that we're going to get into that a little bit. I like your comment in your book when you state, when your awareness of self-worth deepens, it builds your awareness of the worth in others. When you honor the worth of others, you honor your own worth as well. What goes around comes around. If you don't value someone for what they're worth, don't be surprised if your worth is valued less as well. There is a section in your book where you say we need to inventory our skills every 12 to 15 years. This is something that I have recommended to people so many times because we go through phases in our life where we have become so much more skilled in certain ways, but we are doing it on a daily basis, and consciously, we don't think it's a big deal. Mm-hmm. We don't think it's a big deal at all. And we don't give ourselves credit for the talents that we have. You have a wonderful exercise in doing an inventory on skills. And I thought, I really like this. This is marvelous. Tell us how you came to this this evaluation process for the individual. This one was born out of my work as a social worker. And I tend to get simplistic with life. Either there are facts or there are fictions. There's reality, there's dream. The reality is you might be an excellent chef or you might be an excellent teacher or you might be an excellent something. But if other people don't know that, then they're not going to value you for your expertise, right? Mm-hmm. So in, in this chapter, what we're looking at is think of two paper plates. The more those two paper plates overlap, the more you're going to be paid what you're worth. There's the paper plate of you. There's the paper plate of what you think you have, your skills, your your conscious awareness of who you are and what you think you are. And then there's the paper plate of not you, other people, the way they see you, the way they look at you, the way they uh, critique you, judge you, so forth and so on. And so in this chapter, what I'm asking you to do is how much do those two paper plates overlap? Meaning, if you think you have excellent skills in organizing and public speaking and so forth, but you ask 10 people to just tell you what your skills are, and all 10 people do not recognize the fact that you're a good organizer and good public speaking, there's an opportunity for you to then educate them about that. And the more they know about you, what do you think the byproduct will be? Mm-hmm. Yes. Also, demonstrating it, if just using the example you gave, uh, let's say someone, well, let's shift it a little bit. Let's say someone was a superb photographer. That was their hobby, their passion. They need to show people that they can do it. If someone's a speaker, they need to get up and demonstrate that they can do it. If they're good at organizing, go out and volunteer and do something. Again, I think so many times we take our strengths for granted, and we belittle ourselves about our weaknesses. Yes. How would you handle someone that you had time to be around and you recognize their strengths and you just say, well, that's no big deal. How would you work with them, soul dancers? 
first and foremost, I start looking at what is it you really, really, really want. I need to know whether or not the pilot light inside you is lit or not. Aha. Uh -huh. If it's not lit, I'm not going to bother. Because I can certainly help you light it, but if I'm having to help you light it time after time, Donna, how many clients have you had where all of a sudden you felt like you were a constant cheerleader? Oh, that's happened more than once, yes. My goal is for you to have such a strong pilot light inside that as soon as I point out the fact that you've got a good fire burning, you've got a good skill, now guess what? Let's really shine it. Let's show it. Are you interested in doing that? Yes or no? And there's so many people afraid of success out there that 9 out of 10 I get no. And I think of a client that I was speaking with this week who is so encased in a drama. They have been playing this drama for over 60 years. Good heavens. Their life. They're in their 80s now. And you have a comment in your book, the stories we create to blame others for whatever reason simply dissolve when we take a gentle, honest look at what we did to create whatever it is we choose or chose to do. Mm -hmm. We'll past and present. Wow, that is so empowering once we can look at things that way. What is the drama, the story that we have evolved through? And if we don't like it, let's get rid of it. Let's replace the story. And you talk about a key life map, and this is part of what goes on in your book. I really like the interactive aspect of your book, Pay Me What I'm Worth. You have a worth past. At the end of every chapter, one of the last things I would like you to consider as an exercise is sum up what happened to you in this chapter. I mean, overall, you can journal, 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 journal all you want, which I hope you do. The more you do, the more you're going to get out of it. But when it's all said and done, I'd like you to come up with a one-page summary. You can write it. You can sing it. You can paint it. You can draw it. Whatever is important for you to capture what you got out of that chapter. At the end of the book, it's 10 chapters long. You're going to have 10 pages that robustly shine back to you like a beautiful mirror. Who are you? What do you have? And how are you using it? And how do you intend to use it? It's your passport to a much more fulfilling life. You have some very down-to-earth, practical points of direction. I could use the word instruction, but I like the word direction myself. One of the segments in your book is for an individual to go to people that either they work with or maybe their friends, could be members of the family, and you ask them what positive points they see. And you then say something in your chapter that I was intrigued with. You say you want people to seek out individuals they can interview and journal answers that are given to them to these following questions. What do I love doing? Why do I love doing it? How else could I do what I love doing? Who else did or does what I love or would love to do? And 
the individual should do that for themselves first. And then you say, you want to talk to other people that you really respect and admire. And I love what you did here. You give people three resources to utilize. The yellow pages, go to a local university or community college, outline keyword search for clubs, associations, volunteer organizations. And then you actually give a sample of how to ask the person the questions that you want to ask. And you say, ask them if it's all right if you tape it because you want to learn from them. This is finding those points of information that maybe you would never have considered. And what I liked more than anything else is to set up the time to meet with the person in person. None of this texting stuff, but face to face. Yes. Why is this so important? There's so many people might be, maybe listening saying, oh, for heaven's sake, it's texting. I don't have time. I'll use an email. We'll talk on the phone. Why is it so important to have face to face? Well, it's a hard lesson I learned the hardest way. <laughs> mm -hmm. uh, I. I, I guess I'm lucky because with all of the training over 35 years, I do have the ability to sense another person without actually having to be in the physical room to sense them. I can get a pretty good read on a person just by meditating and focusing on them and so forth and so on. And for the first two years of my practice of this work, I, I was it just didn't go anywhere. I'm like, what's going on? This doesn't make any sense. And someone said, soul you got to be in the room. you got to be in front of people. They don't know you. They've never met you. Yeah, they can listen to you. They can read what you've written. But there's you being in the room they've got to experience. So in this particular question, I said to myself, you know, in order to really make an impression on someone, first off, you've better done your homework before you find out who are they and go up and talk to them. I did my little bit of homework on you before I talked to you, a little bit, so that when I met you, I hope you sensed there was a familiarity. And if there it was wasn't... very comfortable. Ah, good. Now I'm in better position to say, Donna, would you be my teacher? When I'm standing in front of you and I ask you that question, it's going to be a lot more difficult for you to go, you know, I'm really busy, I've got all these other things to do, la, 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 la. For those who are just too afraid of approaching someone, the next time you're having a pity party, the next time you don't have enough money to pay whatever bill you're trying to pay, the next time you, you sit there and go, oh, God, that should be me, use that as your fire to go approach those people you need to talk to. Something that I've found in the years, and it took me a while to learn this, is that people are just people. And, yes, sometimes if they're the rich and famous, they may have a number of guards at the door. But if there is that opportunity where you can walk up and chat with them, you find many times that there is no arrogance with the individual. There is a warmth and even uh, caring on their part. They really would like to be able to have a conversation with you. Yes. And I think of someone telling me not too long ago, what people need to know is that they can offer someone a cup, you know, let me buy you a cup of coffee. You may not have a lot of money. But take time to 
to visit with that individual, respect their time, because if they are busy, you're not going to want to take three, four, five, or six hours, but you may find there's an opportunity where when you're introduced, they may invite you to come into their space at another time, or they may have a class you can go to. There's just so many ways that this can be done. And one of the things I find, Soul, and I don't know if it's something you've experienced, but I am finding people are so hungry yes. to have a level of communication, to be able to, to talk to someone. It's not enough to read and write like you've said, but it's a one-on-one, a flesh and blood human being that will listen to you, but also share with you. Because no one has the cap on learning here. Nobody. You're always going to be in a learning curve. Exactly. Exactly. Perspective, perspective, perspective. Having someone who is trained, just simply trained. First off, to be, Donna, if you're not compassionate with yourself, find someone who is compassionate and learn that. If you're not gentle with yourself, find someone who's gentle with themselves first. We're so hard on each other, starting with ourselves. That that has to begin to thaw, and that connection that you talk about is more difficult if you're so jaded and so skeptic and so withdrawn. To get that connection that you're talking about is going to require a considerable amount of thawing on your part. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. It's a do-it-yourself job. Mm-hmm. There are no shortcuts. I've not found any. <laughs> exactly. And you have to be awake. Oh, really? Dang. <laughs> oh, I love it. Now, you have a chapter that addresses when are you worth it. Now, a lot of people say, oh, I don't know if I'll ever get there. Well, I don't know. Your word perspective is important. I like another word, too. It's become one of my favorites. It's discernment. Yes. And I think they're wonderful companions. T&D, perspective and discernment. Yes. We need to be able to recognize we have a right of choice. Mm-hmm. And you just don't go along and walk in the garbage dump of life and stay there. If you want to, that's okay. But you don't have to. And that can be mentally, physically, emotionally, or spiritually. How can someone know when they're worth it? And I know you've got a lot of section in your book, so we're not going to be able to do very much on that. But just give us a tip or two. Well, I'd like everyone to think about how we live in a day and age of PIN codes and passwords, right? How many PIN codes and passwords do you have that you have to actually oh, deal please. with? <laughs> we won't go there. Thank you very much. No, thank you. Oh, boy. Well, when it comes to – here are two yummy C words. We love words, and I'm glad we're having fun with these C words. Compliments and criticisms. Compliments and criticism. I think we're wired backwards when it comes to accepting compliments and criticisms. For example, that PIN code of self-esteem, that password of self-esteem. When someone pays another person a compliment, I watch more often than not, there's got to be all sorts of passwords put into place to receive that compliment. Am I worthy? Do I know this person? Who is this person? Am I having a good day today? There's all these various passcodes that got to go, yep, okay, yep, oh, good, now I can receive.
criticism, bam, right in. Bypasses all passcodes. It generally goes straight into a person's heart. Have you found that to be true? Oh, yes. I have very vivid memories of that. It took me years, in some instances, from criticisms that were dumped on me when I was younger to recognize those words don't have any power. They're not me. Exactly. For those listening in, your takeaway is I want you to flip-flop your passcodes. I want you to flip-flop your pin codes. When a compliment comes along, like enjoying a, a fine sip of hot tea on a chilly day, where it warms you inside, allow that compliment to seep in and nurture you with no questions, no passwords, no pin codes. Conversely, when a, a compliment, to me, a compliment is the source of life, the source of, of fulfilling a dream. When a, when a criticism comes in, step back. Wait a minute. Put some passcodes in place. Put some pin codes in place. Who is this person? What's their motive? You know, is it true or not? Put some perspective in there. Engage a coach. Engage someone who can engage a friend. Say what was said to you and ask, is this a valid criticism before you actually give it any time? All right. Soul Dancer is my guest today. We've touched on a number of points in his book, Pay Me What I'm Worth, a workbook to help you say it, mean it, and then get it. Who doesn't want that? Well, why don't we find out a little bit more about what Soul Dancer has to say? We're going to be talking about ethics and integrity, and I'm sure you're like me. That is quite a significant issue. Why? Because we're seeing a lot of very prominent people not doing a very good job of example. So and you have a word, two words that I like, mental laundry. Talk to us about mental laundry. How do we work with it? What do we do with it? And what is the point you're trying to get across? There are two capacities that we have as human beings that play a fundamental role in our ability to learn, laugh, and grow. Forgiveness and forgetfulness. Donna, which do you think of those two are more powerful? Forgiveness or forgetfulness? Actually, I think that they both have a place. I don't know that I'd rate one above the other. Because in some instances, forgetfulness is appropriate. some instances, it's not. Forgiveness, I think that's across the board. In that chapter, what I'm going to invite you to do is get a hold of your mental laundry, specifically looking at times where you believe you've been used, taken advantage of, uh, put in a position where, for all practical purposes, you would really rather have not been put in there. That's, that's laundry basket A. And then we have laundry basket B. I'd like you to be real with yourself and reverse the process. When were there times where you know you did take advantage of someone? For example, you may have done something as simple as go to a yard sale and somebody may have marked something $10, but because you, you have plenty of money and you know they probably want to get rid of it, you offered them 5 and they took it. Even though you had the 10 to pay them, you just decided you wanted to pay them 5 You took advantage of the situation that somebody wanted to have $10 and you could give them 5 So basket A, you've been taken advantage of. Basket B, you've taken advantage of someone else. That's your laundry. 
my goal with this chapter is for you to take a good, solid look at what goes around, comes around, or whatever good old cliche you want to use in there, and really wash out any sense of having to be used or get used by using forgiveness. And for me, forgiveness does not mean you forget. Forgiveness means you learn. You use discretion in your wisdom and how you apply it. So that when another time comes around where you think you're about to get used or you're thinking you might use someone, you kick into the results of what you experience with this chapter and you go, whoa, wait a minute, no, I don't want to do that. I want to keep myself as clean as possible. And this really actually sets you up for a chapter we're just about to talk about. That's ethics and integrity. You got it. This has become such a significant issue, I think, in the United States when we research our history. This isn't the first time this has come up. And when we look at our own lives, we usually are challenged with this at one point or another. And I don't know that anybody can get through life without having lessons, that maybe they've done some things, just as you were talking about, they weren't too proud of. And they make a point of choice about not doing that again. And that, I think, is what life is about, is growing into the greatness of our inner self. Ethics and integrity are a vital part of that. Trust is a vital part of that. Trust that people have in us is of extremely important part of that. You made a comment at the beginning of your chapter on ethics and integrity when it comes to saying what you do and then doing what you say. How well do your words align with your deeds? That is a powerful, powerful question. Powerful how did you make this a significant level of learning in your life? For me, when I start developing a relationship with another individual, and I can go to the bank with their word, when they say they're going to be somewhere at a specific date and time, they are. When they say that they're going to accomplish something for someone, and they do. In other words, their words actually match up with their deeds. I'm attracted to that. I like that. I, I want more people like that in my life, wouldn't you? Oh, absolutely. That is so important. That's vital. So for those of you who are you know, kind of wondering, how do I attract that type of person in my life? What did we just say a few minutes ago? Kind of like there's no shortcuts. Guess what? Until your word matches your deed, it's going to be more difficult for you to attract other people who have their words match their deeds. Take a look around at your social circles right now. Are you demonstrating the skills, the traits? Are you living them? And if you are, you will naturally attract other people who have similar skills and traits. Yeah? That's true. That's true. People of like mind enjoy each other's company. And more importantly, and this is the sticky part, this is the yummy, sneaky part. It's like you get a vaccine. You know, you talk about you get your flu shot and so forth and so on. The more in, of integrity you walk your walk, the more ethics you have, the more you actually do what you say you're going to do, you bounce away. You repel people who might just want to try and take advantage of you. Yes. I think that that is true. It doesn't mean you still can't be taken advantage of, but it's not as 
likely. And if they do, and they know that they've done that, they rarely will want to cross paths with you again because they know they'll be held accountable. Bingo. In a way. And they have, they cannot show faith. I think of different individuals that I've had experiences with through the years, and they purposefully stayed out of the environment because of the behavior they exhibit, exhibited. Yep. They just, they just didn't dare. They just didn't dare because they knew that the truth was going to come out, so they would hide. Yep. And they would do things where they would skirt by, making sure that they were aware and away from different individuals that were not of that nature. They had violated the trust, mm. and they knew that. The fascinating thing. You make a comment in your book also that a wise person learns from what's reflected back to them, no matter how unpleasant. The more unpleasant, the more likely it is, it's the lesson you really need to learn. And when that sort of comes full circle back to the component of criticism that you brought up earlier, we need to be able to look at something with clear eyes. Mm -hmm. Because sometimes points will be brought out to us that if we're not willing to look at them and be honest and have integrity with ourselves, we're going to find that maybe we're repeating patterns we shouldn't repeat in our life. And I think that you're right. A very wise person listens carefully, both to the compliments as well as to suggestions and criticism. It is just a part of living and how dull and uninteresting life would be if we didn't get them. But part of it, I think, is developing a, a sense that we need to detach so we can look with our own level of integrity and honesty when someone does give us a criticism. What are your thoughts on that? Yes, and here's an interesting flip. If you're finding someone, you're finding that you're getting the same criticism over and over and over again and again and again from a variety of different places. Has it ever occurred to you, you just might be the teacher to the person who's giving you the criticism that that's something they need to work on because you've mastered it? Good point. Very good perspective. Very good perspective. That is another side of the coin of understanding. I think that's marvelous. And so it's it's so easy, Donna. It's so easy with a, a criticism comes in. You oh God, I'm worthless, and I've got to go through this lesson again. And oh, I'm gonna when am I gonna be done with this lesson? And blah blah blah. Well, you can go down that path if you'd like. But you can also go. You know what? I have been down this path. And if you again adopt that gentle nature, that compassionate nature, and when you get the criticism, go, does this really apply to me, or is this something that's really their stuff? There's a, a just a glorious book that I request every client and every student to read before I work with them, and I'm, sure, I'm almost positive you've read this book as well, The Four Agreements. Have you read it? The bell. I may have read it, yes. Don Miguel Ruiz's The Four Agreements. And one of the agreements is never take it personal. Never, ever mm -hmm. take it personal. Because quite honestly, when someone gives me a criticism, the first thing I automatically click into, this is kind of my get-out-of-jail-free card, I don't know where this is coming from. Even though
though I may have been your partner for 50 years, there's still parts of you I don't know about. I don't know what just happened in your life. I don't know, you know, if somebody just cut you off in traffic or you were on the phone with a nasty customer service person. Or I don't know what influenced you to bark at me. So I'm going to cut you some slack to begin with because there's an unknown there. I, I create that safe space to allow the criticism to float through. But if it is something that you, you in, in your inner gut, your inner gut goes, oh, God, yeah, I do have to deal with this. That's when you hire Donna. That's when you hire a professional to get in there and look at that in a constructive, positive way. Mm-hmm. And I like your words, constructive, positive way. I think so many times we need to be able to understand that as human beings, we're in this life experience to expand, to grow, to be able to develop our highest potential, and to be self-sufficient in our own way, and also to be a a contributor to those that are coming along in life that are going to need what we've acquired in the way of wisdom and understanding. And I love what my mother said to me so many years ago when we crossed paths and she chose to have me as a student. She would say, Donna, some people can only take a drop of understanding at a time. Some people can take a thimbleful. But there are a few individuals that want to walk into the ocean. And I have found her words of wisdom to be very true. And we never know how we are going to be able to touch someone's life. We may never know their name even. But just by being who we are and the best that we can be. And quoting the title of your book, Pay Me What I'm Worth, Attitude. Say it, mean it, and get it. We have an impact that makes this world a richer place. And so, Dancer, you're doing that with your book. Now, you have two websites that people can go to. One is worthdoc.com, worth, W-R-R-T-H, doc.com, and pay me what I'm worth. So, old answer, it's been a delight having you as a guest today. Thank you for sharing your wisdom. Your workbook is delightful. I wish you continued success in all that you do. All right, that wraps it up. Thanks for listening. This is Pay Radio, talk radio worth listening to. You can listen to all sorts of on-demand shows at bit.ly forward slash pay radio. Again, bit.ly forward slash pay radio has hundreds of on-demand shows for you to enjoy, learn, laugh, and grow with ease and grace. Aloha. With Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandslots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.